Hello, you're listening to the Solid Word Bible Church podcast. Whether you're at work, driving in your car, or getting your workout on, we hope and pray that what you hear today will fill your spirit. Come, join us as we walk through God's Word together. And so in the book of John, we get as he is at, according to John's gospel, as he gets into this um as he gets to where he is having what we call communion or the Lord's Supper with them, his last one, he sits down and embarks on some things that they need to hear before he leaves. And these things, now we know all of Scripture is to be honored and followed, all of it. But when you get into John 13 until 18, John kind of puts the brakes on and spends a lot of time and gives us this insight into, the, into that last, what would be those last teachings before he dies. And you get some critical things that are not just for them, but for us. What I'm going to focus on today is what we focused on in Bible study, but over the next few weeks leading up into Easter, we're going to look at those last teachings. And what they say to us, what they encourage us, you know, I mean, how they encourage us, what they move us toward and who we should become, who we should be and who we should be becoming. Because these are important to him. But these are also important to get and communicate to them. Now, we know it was spoken to them, but it was written for us. We said that in Bible study on Thursday. We know that, that, that the Bible actually said this, and sometimes it causes people's eyebrows to raise. The Bible wasn't written when we talk, I'm talking about the individual books and letters and, and, and Psalms. They, wouldn't, they were not written to us, right? Because we weren't there but they were written for us because they had us in mind. Even if the authors didn't know the, about us thousands of years later, God did and knew that we would reap what they were writing. We would reap from what they were writing. And so for us today, I want us to look at John chapter 15. For those who are at Bible study, you know, hang tight. We're not going to get as deep as we did then. And I'm not going to go any further than what we did. Because we have coming up the second part of this as we look forward to this Thursday. And I'm not entering into that part. But Jesus here begins to teach them. Verse 13 we know, I'm sorry, chapter 13 we know starts with him after the supper, washing their feet blows their mind. We'll talk about that another time. But, but he does something that just turns everything on its head. Now he has their attention. Then in chapter 14, he really encourages them about not letting their heart be troubled. Well, I mean, why should our hearts be troubled? What's going to happen? Uh, he's getting ready to tell them. And he tells them to remain encouraged. But then in chapter 15, not only do I want you to remain encouraged, and I want you to, 
to continue to follow me, I want you to, and we get into this, I want you to abide or to stay connected to me because that's going to be what is critical for you moving forward without me physically being in your presence. And that's what he embarks on is this physical nature. I mean, when once he leaves the scene physically, what happens? And he gives them what they need. And so this morning, we're going to look at this abiding through obedience. John chapter 15. Abiding through obedience. Let's read and then I'm going to pray. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may be more fruitful. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. I'm going to stop there. I know I have to verse 11. You can read that. Later, I know I'm going to focus on these first eight verses that are there. Father, thank you so much for your word, and thank you, Lord, for these teachings before the death of Christ. And I pray that you would help us to hear what was said to them and what was meant for us as well. And I pray, Lord, that we would understand it, that we would follow, that we would live out according to your will, your commands thus proving that we love you. Father, I pray that those that are here today that this does not resonate with them. They do not know you personally. Sins are not forgiven. Lord, life is not turned over to you. I pray that they would sense their need for you. Father, not that we do some verbal calisthenics to manipulate people into something, but Lord, you work on the hearts of the people to show them their need for you and draw them to yourself. And so, Father, we give you this time. In the name of Christ, amen. Amen. And so, as I said, he leads up to there. He takes them through a series of teaching in different areas. And this particular one, he starts off interesting. <clears throat> one of the I am statements of Christ is embedded in this text. And he starts up and says, I am the vine. And for those who have been in Bible study, you know that he wasn't just given this, um, um, this picture of the vine for you just to understand his teaching better. He was making a statement 
about what has, about who he is and who he represents. This is actually tied back to this whole teaching on the vine back from the Old Testament. Um, I'm referencing Israel. Israel was always seen as a vine. God called them. They were seen as a vine. <clears throat> and so they failed. Jeremiah 2.21, I'm sorry, yeah, Jeremiah 2.21 talks about how Israel has become a wild vine, how they had become degenerate, how they had failed in what God had desired for them of being that vine representing him with branches coming off and growing. Psalm 80 refers to that as well about them being this vine and how God was going to take it and uproot and actually plant it again. And so here Jesus comes and he says in this text, I am that fulfillment. Why do I know that? Because he says something interesting. He doesn't just say, I am the vine. He says that later as he clarifies the relationship between us and him, but he starts up and says, I am the true vine. Well, if there's a true vine, that means that there was one that we thought was the vine that was not really what was being talked about. So, what we said on Thursday night is where Israel failed, as in many cases, and Israel represents even us in that where humanity failed, Jesus succeeded. And so he comes back and says, I am the true vine. Unlike Israel, Jeremiah 2.21, where they became a wild vine because of their disobedience, and one in which could not be referenced and used, Jesus comes back and say, I am the true vine. In essence, he says, I won't fail in God's intention. So he says, I am the true vine. And then he brings right in that relationship with God that Israel shunned. And he says, and my father is the gardener, the vine dresser, the one who takes care of the, the, the vine. You do have to understand wine was huge in that region. You saw vines all over the place and grapes that are growing from it. And it was used widely in that area, in that culture. And so people knew and saw vines all over the place. They understood that teaching greatly. And then he goes into this picture, and he really helps for us what is the purpose of why he's teaching this. Ultimately, he says, for those who will be followers of Christ, those who will be kingdom citizens, those who would be people that would, would, would claim to be of God, he says, there are some things that must be true of you, and I'm going to state it. They must be true of you. This is for you to get a clear picture of whether or not I'm connected with God through Christ. And see, many times we believe if I show up here enough, God is cool with me. If I open my Bible a little bit and read a couple of devotionals, 
God's cool with me. If I check off that I prayed in the morning before I left, God is cool with me. If I treat people a certain way, that alone will get me on the end with God. And sometimes we do things because we think it will bring us in or, or, or have us to be on the end with God. Jesus gives us a great picture. Last teachings, telling his disciples, this is critical for you to understand. He comes back and he makes a statement, I'm the vine. I'm the one that now everything else is to be connected to and that life goes through. As a matter of fact, later on down in this text is one of his seven I am statements in the book of John. I am the vine. And what he gives us is this whole notion of abiding through obedience that is critical for our relationship in him. Now, you have to keep in mind the whole context of the book of John. We know the whole context of the book of John is actually given at the end. And where in chapter 20, he tells us that there were many more things that Jesus did. In other words, he was saying, I've not written exhaustively about Jesus in this, in this book, in this gospel. He says, but these things were written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ and that by believing, you'll have eternal life. So we get the purpose statement for John writing this. It is so that we would have firm belief in who Jesus has claimed to be. And by doing that, we will have eternal life. And belief wasn't just this head knowledge. And yeah, I know that. I know but it doesn't affect your life. That believing was one in which you embraced and it changed who you are. And so with that in mind, he comes back and says, now Jesus is telling us that there is this critical thing called abiding. It's not a word that we use. It's not a word that we use. Abide or remain or stay or get comfortable. If a person was to come up to you and say, hey, where do you abide or where is your abode? You would probably laugh because you don't use what we think is that old English word. You mean, where do I live? Yeah, where do you live? You know, and it all depends on what's happening in your life. Well, I live part of the year here, but then I live here. If you're a college student, that's the way. Well, I'm on campus during this time, so I live there, but I live here. And, and, and in essence, we would say, what's your permanent address? Where do you call home? That's where you abide. Where, where you go in and close the door, you are separate from the world. You get to relax. You get to what they call let your hair down. You get to, you know, um, you get to be more comfortable. You don't have to deal with the world home. Where the environment is conducive for you to rest, supposedly. And the place where you refresh, where you abide. And so when he says the whole abiding, he's talking about remaining or staying in the context of a relationship. 
So when you go home, if there's others at home, you know, hopefully it is where you have at least some level of relationship that you like there. I know for some, home does not bring back great memories. But in a good world, in a perfect world where you abide is where you stay, where you choose to be, where you remain. And so he starts off the focus being abiding causes fruitfulness, which God prepares you then for greater fruitfulness. And then we want to look at what are the two areas, we did this of fruitfulness, that we, that we must be focusing on and that Jesus really helps us to understand. And we get this picture of out of our relationship with him and through him, um, that, that and out of that comes this level of fruitfulness that's constantly increasing that the Lord wants us to have at the center of who we are. So he gives us a general statement. He sets the parameters. I'm the vine. My father is the one who has taken care of the vine. I'm the vine. God is the one. God the father is the one taking care of it. And then he leans in and says, look, the whole purpose of the vine is to have branches. And we learn later that's us. Branches. No, believers. Everyone that will claim Christ, you are an offshoot of. The church generally is included. So he says, I am the vine. Then he says in verse 2, every branch generally in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. And so the whole focus of this particular section is fruit bearing. And how do I bear or how do I demonstrate or display fruit? By coming to church three times a month. Now, you know that's not true. How do I bear fruit? By making sure I dress the right way. How do I bear fruit? by making sure I say the right things. I mean, uh, that might be included, but is that how we bear fruit? Huh? That's what we act, how we bear fruit. Lord, I came to church. I don't know why you're not blessing me. God, I'm, 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 I'm in my Bible. Bible's not in me, but I'm in my Bible. I don't know why things aren't working out for my benefit, Lord. God, I pray to you before my meals. God, I pray when I need something. At least I recognize you. Shouldn't that count for something? And he goes back to this notion of abiding. Every branch that is in me, I love this, that's connected to me. When you go out here and you look at the trees, you look at any tree, vine, any vegetation, any growth, they have offshoots. We can look out here and see the, the branches off of the main trunk. And if that tree is healthy, it's going to have many branches. Rightly so. If you go out here and look, please stay in the parking lot. Don't go in any of our forests and trees. 
at least not right now. We have a lot of dead trees out here that are still standing. We have a lot of ash trees that the ash borer has had Thanksgiving on regularly. And they are standing there dead. We've removed some. We still have some to remove. But they are dead. How do I know? There's nothing growing. There are no new branches. And as a matter of fact, the branches that are there, for some of them, if they're low enough, if you touch them, they will fall right off. You can take away easily. Why? Because there's no life. And even though they seem connected, they are cut off where there's no life going to them. And thus, no life going to a branch long enough, what happens? It dies. And in this particular case, when he talks about branches and offshoot, if a branch, I mean, if, I mean, if there's no fruit coming from the branch, it means that the branch really isn't connected. Even though it seems to be, it's in the right place, but it's not connected. Our dead trees around here, interesting, our dead trees around here are amongst living trees. They're in the right place, but boy, they are easily distinguished. Because there's no growth. And who determines growth? There was a question that came up. I love this one. But who determines growth? Did God call us to be the growth police? I don't see any growth in your life. The growth is determined by God through his word. And he sees that and he looks and, and, and you know, he knows whether or not and you know whether or not you are growing. And so he gets down and says, Abiding in me is what will be critical. And here, why? Because the whole point of being connected to Christ, and we got that big sign back there under our clock in the back as you walk out, connecting people to Christ. The whole point of being connected to Christ is fruitfulness. That's the whole point. Whole point is that we have fruit that is on display. What's the point of having an apple tree if you are not expecting any apples from that tree? It is taking up space and the tree needs to go. On the other hand, if you have an apple tree that's doing its job, you have to be out there, you know, recognizing the fruit and more fruit and more fruit. You've heard me say when we lived overseas that we had, we had this place that we rented that had a bunch of apple trees and that the pruning was critical. And as a matter of fact, when they pruned it, it looked like they destroyed the tree. I was like, there's, I, I, there's no branch. So after the season, they cut it up. And I was like, there's no branches. It doesn't look like there's anything left. Until the person that said to us who owned the property said, if we don't prune it like this, next season there will be very little growth. Wow. All of a sudden I got an education. John 15 comes into play. He says, every branch that bears fruit, that doesn't bear fruit, not connected, getting rid of it. You're almost like a weed. That's all you are. And you get rid of it. But every branch that is bearing fruit. Guess what he does? You would think he applauds it. Great. No, he cuts it up. Wait, God, hold on a second. I'm bearing fruit. You must be mistaking me for the guy that's not bearing any fruit. Why are you cutting me up? I'm actually living as you want. 
I'm doing what you want, aren't I? And God says, you sure are, but I want to make sure that you keep being fruitful. As a matter of fact, I don't want you to even bear the same fruit next year, the same amount. I want you to bear even more. I want you to become more fruitful. So guess what I have to do? I got to cut up some things in your life. I got to cut out some things in your life. I got to snip. I got to cause you to lose some things. And you're like, I thought I was living for you. You are. That's why I'm cutting you and not disconnecting you. And so that whole picture, fruitfulness, abiding through obedience, he says the whole point is fruitfulness and, and that you remain in him. Well, how do I remain in him? The words we used from our study were that you stay connected, you stay committed, you stay true to who Jesus is. Well, how do we do, how do, we do that through his word? Now I see why reading his word is important. Not because I'm checking off a box, because I'm learning how to remain connected to Christ so that I continue to produce fruit. Well, then the question has got to be, if this thing is all about fruit, what kind of fruit are we talking about? Are we talking about apples, oranges, grapefruit? Like, what are we talking about? What's the fruit? Well, you remember that passage in Galatians chapter 5 that talks about fruit. And so we two categories for us of fruit. The first category is character, Christian character. Well, what do we mean by that? It is Fruit for the believer is displaying characters that were first seen in Christ. You're displaying Christian character, right? And so what does that fruit look like? Galatians 5.21 tells us the fruit, word used, of the Spirit or the fruit that comes by the Spirit is, and then you get it, love, joy, peace, patience. And so these things that you can't produce, only the Spirit of God working through you as you are living in obedience to him, they start showing up in your life. You surprised too. Wow, look at that. Patience. I remember when I started growing in Christ, man, I, I just, for me, I did. And people that know me now go, I just can't see you being that way, right? That's what transformation is like. <laughs> I used to have this crazy temper. Oh, man, I just, in a moment, I'd snap. Sometimes foolishly. Y'all that know me heard me tell some of the stories. My mother used to tell me repeatedly that temper is going to get you killed, boy. That's what she used to say to me. Growing up in Brooklyn, she was like, you're in the wrong city to have a temper. I remember the day because of my temper, I was looking down the barrel of a nine millimeter. And man, all I heard, this is crazy. The first thing I heard in my head, that temper is going to get you killed, boy. I was like, why am I hearing my mother right now? Praise the Lord to stop there. But you know what? After God got a hold of it, and people hear that, they go, you? Really? I was like, y'all ought to be rejoicing. That's called transformation in the Lord. Why? Because I couldn't produce patience. I couldn't produce, you know, gentleness, long-suffering. What I produced got me in trouble. What God produced has everyone amazed. 
And so in you, you thinking, I'm going to be more patient today. Good luck with that. How do you become more patient? Here's what he says. By obediently staying connected to me, being true to who I am, as you see it in the word of God, and you resolve to live it out, requesting my help through the Holy Spirit for you to do that, guess what? God begins to change. So when you get into situations in which you normally would have done one thing, fruit. Wow. There are apples coming from that tree. Why? Because the lifeblood of God is living and working through you and now producing in you Christ-likeness. So the first thing that we get in this fruitfulness, he says, is this Christian character. What is the fruit? The fruit is Christian character. The other fruit, as we look through, that we want to, that, that we want to look at is also Christian multiplication. See, that's why after Christ came, showed them how to live, and then made it possible for them and us to live in the way that he demonstrated, death, burial, resurrection. Now he turns around. Now that you have the ability to produce and to display rather Christian character, tell you what I'm going to do. Now I'm going to commission you so, so that you have Christian multiplication. See, Christian character comes first. It amazes me the number of people that aren't living for Christ that want other people to come and live for Christ. I'm going to go out and evangelize yourself. See, the issue is if you're not living for Christ, how on earth are you going to have other people come live for Christ? Well, God says first, Christian character. Secondly, Christian multiplication. Because now they're going to see all that fruit on display, and they're attracted to you. But we became very attracted to those trees in our backyard that, that, that had those, I'll have to show some of you that, that had those wonderful, small, red, they looked like gala apples. I still don't know what kind of apples they were. They were just good. And that they, and that on that tree, and then we would go up and, and get on the ladder and just pick. And we had all kind of apple stuff, but that tree was attractive. It drew people to it. People wanted to come and enjoy and experience its fruit. And for some of us as believers, people are repelled by us. I'm not talking about because of the Christ you represent, because that's coming down the line, because he talks about that. But what I'm talking about is that people that are attracted to the fruit that you display because it looks like Christ. And so either they don't want to be around you because you're too much like Christ and you're reminding me of how I'm not living, I don't want to be around you, or you represent Christ in such fragrance to them that they want to be around you. And so Christian character and Christian multiplication. Both of those represent the fruit that he's talking about here. And so when he says that he's pruning you to bear more fruit, he is pruning you that you display that fruit that Galatians talks about in increasing measure. And so even if you've had a good year and you've been displaying Christ, God says, good, pruning's coming. You think reward is coming. I can relax because I'm just enjoying displaying fruit. Now, you might be getting ready to be cut because you're on the right track. 
because you're going to bear more fruit. And I love this as you go down. So let's just read real quick because I want to be able to finish. He says it for us. Verse 3, already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. So this isn't a matter of you being at fault, that you're dirty. He says, you're in me. But he says, look, abide in me, keep, stay in me, and I in you. And as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you. Whoever abides in me, he said, I am the vine, you are the branches. That's a relationship. You aren't divine. Stop acting like it. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is it that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. See, that statement should make us all excitement. Why? Because this is what he says. He says, fruit is a natural byproduct of abiding. Fruit is the natural byproduct of a healthy tree. You will never go by any fruit tree and hear it worrying about how it's going to produce fruit. I don't know how I'm going to get these apples out today. Man, I just don't know. How are we going to make it work? Guys, you know? No, you just look. As long as you're connected, them apples come in. As long as you're connected to Christ, that fruit is coming. So if you are feeling in need, God, I am not displaying this fruit in my life. What do I do? No, I would ask you, where are you abiding? Are you remaining in him? Or have you kind of disconnected and you're trying to find a life source somewhere else? Because all you got to do is abide. The fruit is coming. And so as he finishes off this section, he says, you can, apart from me, you can do nothing. Well, what does he mean by that? Well, in relation to fruit bearing, that's what he said. This is not a work of you. It's a work of me. And you know what that takes us to? So here he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. I like how Paul puts it in Philippians 4.13. And we misuse that verse a whole lot. What does he say in Philippians 4.13? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. What did he just say here? Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. What's the opposite of nothing? Everything. He says, in me, I can do, Paul says, in him, I can do all things. Well, that makes sense because Jesus said, outside of me, you can do nothing. Nothing what? As it relates to bearing fruit. As it relates to growing in him. So if you see a deficiency of fruit in your life, you need to look and see where you're disconnected from Christ. Where you're not relating to him on a regular basis, where you're not staying connected, where the life of Christ is not flowing through you. That's where you look, not what you got to, what I got to do more, Lord. Do I need to pray more? No, you probably need to be obedient more. And then lastly, he says here, if anyone is not in me, he says he, he's thrown away. In other words, he's not a lifeless branch and it's discarded and thrown away into the fire. In other words, you're done. You are demonstrating that you're really not a true branch to be connected to the vine, and so you're gotten rid of. And then this verse, 7 and 8, I'm going to close with this, that we 
gets so twisted at times. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, can I stop right there and say that's the qualifier? This is a conditional statement. When you see a if-then, it's an if-then statement, right? So if, if we're going to claim the last part, the first part needs to be in place. Because he says, if you abide in me, again, you stay connected, and my words find a home in you, that's the if, if if you are in a relationship and connected to me and the words which are equal to me find a place in you, that's how Christ is in you, right? If, if that's the case, what does he say? You, he says, ask whatever you wish. Wow, that seems dangerous. Wow. What is, 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 is Jesus giving us the genie and the lamp authority? Ask whatever you wish. See, we start that verse and say, ask whatever you wish. And I'm going to give it. Okay. He says, but then he explains the prayer. By this my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Why on earth does prayer come in the middle of this, this, this whole context of bearing fruit? And at the end of it, he says, God is most glorified by you bearing much and more and more and more fruit. Why? Because the prayer is related to you bearing fruit. He says, you're asking is in relation to prayer that is needed for you to continually to be fruit bearing. This is not the wish for your new ride. I'm not saying that you don't ask the Lord for that, but this statement, the context, hey, God, he said, he said, if I abide in him and his words to me, I can ask one and what, man, God, that I've been looking for that house, boy, I'm just waving. That's not what he's talking about. What he's talking about is if I'm in you, I mean, if you're in me, connected, and my words are in you, obedience to those words, go ahead and ask. Because your heart is in the right place. What are you going to ask for? God, how do I please help me to remain connected? Because I realize the most important thing in my life right now is for me to be connected to you and displaying fruit that I am truly your disciple. God will answer any of your prayers that are directed as a result of you abiding in him and you obediently living out his word and you are praying so that that relationship stays intact. God God's answering every last prayer. I don't know when, I don't know how, but he just said, ask what you want. Look at the context. He says, I'm answering. Why? Because it brings the Father glory. What brings the, God, the, the Father glory? You asking for stuff? No, that you bear much fruit demonstrating to whom God knows you in the world that you are my disciple. God knows whether you're a true disciple or not. He wants the world to know, and how will they know? They'll see that fruit. They'll see you looking like Christ. They'll see you acting like him in both good and bad times. They'll see you representing him well through your lifestyle, and that God, through cutting you up, publicly and people look like man it looked like the lord just destroyed him the next time you start displaying more and more fruit that represents the spirit in your life and oh my goodness folks start going how how are you like that
How are you able to handle? How are you able to live like, how do you, how do you still praise God through all that? Much fruit. Thus proving to be my disciples. See, Jesus wants it to be with tremendous fruit. I mean, proof that you were his. How do you prove that? Not by what you say. Not by what you say you believe. Not by what you wear. Not by what you own or don't own. God, I'm going to get poor so people know I'm a Christian. Good luck with that. No. How is it? By you looking, acting, living like Christ in increasing measure in this evil world in this unjust, in this crooked, in this unfair, in this life-sucking world. You live for Christ. And people go, well, okay, she must belong to Jesus because that's the only way that would happen. Or like with me, Curtis met Jesus because, man, that temper, that craziness, that stupidity is gone. Like, like, how are you? People have asked, how are you so different? I could say, well, you know, I really took these anger management classes. And I really leaned. No. I said, I got more and more connected to Christ. And he made that life distasteful. I didn't want it anymore. And that's what you see. And that's what people will see. Abiding in Christ through obedience. I'm going to stop at verse 8. We're going to continue, but with, with, these, with these critical teachings. And I love this because Jesus takes that next section when he, when he starts to tell them that the world is going to hate you. It's in light of being connected to the vine. And we'll look at next time, how do I handle the hatred? I'm going to tell you for starters, being connected to the vine. Because that fruit is on display, regardless of the outside environment, as long as you stay connected to the vine. Let's pray. Father. You've been listening to the Solid Word Bible Church podcast, and we trust that you've been blessed. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit our website at solidword.org. Thank you for joining us today, and we'll see you next week.